Coming up this week on the Hogbeat Hour, brought to you by Rivals and Hogbeat.com. Arkansas is opening up conference play against Texas A&M, so we'll run you through that matchup. We'll talk recruiting as it's January, and official visits will start this month. The coaching staff is still not full, but we're getting there, and lots more. Let's do it. everybody it is now 2020 and hopefully in many facets this will be a much better year for the Arkansas Razorbacks and Hogbeat Hour hopefully we'll have a lot of fun stuff to talk about right now it's all Arkansas basketball which is really exciting they're 11 and 1 they just came off a huge road win against Indiana I'm here with Andrew Hutchinson and I'm Nikki Chavanel Hutch you were out at Indiana what was that experience like Oh, it was really cool. I mean, it, it's a it was a bucket list uh, venue for me, uh, Assembly Hall at Indiana. Uh, it was uh, it was very it was it was really cool. I mean, the crowd was large. Uh, it wasn't maybe maybe it's just because I'm I don't know if I want to say biased because I'm around it so much, but I mean I've experienced Bud Walton Arena at its at its peak, and Assembly Hall was not quite as uh, I guess active and involved in the game. I mean, there was were, it a sellout? It wasn't quite a sellout. I think the official crowd was like a 14-8, and I think it seats a little over 17. So it, it was a very large crowd, uh, don't get me wrong, but there were times where it got loud briefly when something good happened, but they didn't sustain any type of noise, any type of just you know atmosphere where you know usually if you're at home in a game like that you expect to run the other team off the court that's what that's what would have happened at Bud Walton Arena had that game happened in Fayetteville and Indiana was in the same situation as Arkansas so I I was a little bit disappointed from the atmosphere standpoint but I do cut them a little bit of slack it is Christmas break the students were still gone so that probably would have have helped a little bit but uh, yeah it it wasn't quite as good as you know Bud Walton Arena and it, it was nowhere close to the the atmosphere down at uh, Simmons Bank Arena in North Little Rock whenever Arkansas played Valpo. Mm-hmm. Have you been to Kentucky? Like, where where does Indiana rank in terms of environments? You know, it, it's very similar to Rupp because I did go to a game at Rupp. But, I mean, mm-hmm. Rupp, that's one of Rupp's biggest criticisms is that their crowd isn't quite as involved. I mean, it's more uh, they kind of sit on their hands a little bit. I, I've heard it described as, you know, these are the people who have uh, they've kind of priced out their crazy fans. You know, these are people that have a bunch of money yeah. who can get season tickets and have and fit in the seats, and they're maybe not as crazy. They're not as the average Joe type of fan. And I think Arkansas still has a lot of those type of fans that go crazy and kind of create that that environment. Yeah, when I was at SMU, the whole lower bowl because the tickets were so expensive. Like there it wasn't the people that are going to cheer, you know. So it was a much quieter environment, but luckily they kept a very large student section in that mm-hmm. lower bowl. Um the game itself, it was a close game back and forth all game long. Uh just where in terms of road wins lately does this one rank? Like how how much will Arkansas fans remember this one? 
You know, it's their biggest win. Uh, You mentioned SMU. uh, Since Arkansas beat SMU back, I think, in 2014 or something, it's been about five years since Arkansas has won a non-conference road game of significance. Honestly, they had lost seven straight before they beat Georgia Tech earlier in the year. Georgia Tech is not a great team, so it's not exactly a a big win. People remember because of Mason Jones' buzzer beater uh, in overtime, but the Indiana game was was special because, I mean, Indiana was a one-loss team as well. You know, it was thought to be a – it's a big resume win. It, It was between two quadrant one, you know, it was a quadrant one opportunity for both teams. Uh, when it comes to the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee. So I think fans will remember it. Uh, it was a, a game that the entire, I mean, probably the first 37 minutes of the game, I thought, well, this is this is Indiana's game. Uh, they're they're going to win this uh, because of just how they, you know, were in control until about the last seven minutes of the game. Arkansas finally kind of got things going and, and really, uh, as as much as I didn't think they were going to win it, uh, Eric Musselman, after the game, told us that they were they were confident the entire time. Musselman really wasn't worried and at all at any point. And you know, here here's a clip he actually of what he said after the game, uh, where he he wasn't concerned at all. Just uh, you know, the huddles there wasn't panic. You know, and and um, I probably got on the guys less tonight than I have all year. Um, at halftime, I got on them less. Uh, we were more calm in all of our huddles. Um, just because that's what I, th- I thought they were giving great effort. Uh, and I thought if we just hung around and, and tried to get guys in, on their roster to take shots instead of some of the guys that were hurting us, that, that maybe the tide could change if we knock, knock down two threes. That was what I kept telling the Coach Moser is, hey, we just we got to hit two threes in a row and this thing's going to change really, really quick. A lot of people after the game who didn't end up watching Eric Musselman's press conference, I guess they just didn't know where to find it or whatever, but we have it on hogbeat.com, so you can go listen to that. A lot of people wanted to know what kind of adjustments they made because they ended up making a huge difference in that second half with Indiana's leading scorer. So uh, here's what Eric Musselman had to say on what they did against Trace. Jackson Davis. Jackson Davis. (laughs) There we go. Yeah, we, you know, the first half we we had our point guard guarding him. and we fronted, and I thought he got. I thought he outran us. To be honest with you, I didn't think he got hurt us much in the half court. It was offensive loop, rebounds, loose chains, running the floor, um, and then in the second half, I thought Adriel Bailey and, and Reggie did a phenomenal job of just trying to limit his touches. And you know, we wanted their perimeter players to get as many shots up as they could. And I thought that, you know, we uh, by t- eliminating uh, Trace Jackson Davis's inside shot attempts even and, and trying to make this beat us from the perimeter I thought it, it changed the game a little bit for us so Arkansas is now 11 and 1 heading into SEC play Eric Musselman has pretty much fulfilled every dream that Arkansas fans could hope for so far I know people had a weird thing about him not taking timeouts but if you look back at what he had to say about that it becomes very clear that he's just trying to build a lot of trust in his team, and he feels like the guys know what he wants them to do in any given situation. If they don't, he'll call timeout, whatever. But other than that, not a lot of complaints from Arkansas fans. Uh, just how do you grade what he's done so far and how he's done it? 
I think it's you have to give him an A plus. I mean, this this has been phenomenal. Honestly, before the season, if you had told me, you know, asked me what I predicted they would do non-conference, you know, going into SEC play, I would have predicted they would go about nine and three. I, I thought they would win uh, one or lose two of the three road games. You know, Georgia Tech, Western Kentucky, and Indiana. And then I honestly thought they would lose one of the the easier games that's at home. They would slip up somewhere just because I thought they were going to be a team that lives and dies by the three ball. They do shoot a lot of three-pointers, but they aren't really particularly high in the NCAA in terms of percentage. I think before the Indiana game, they were like 300th or something. If you had told me that, I'd have said, man, they are really struggling. The difference is Eric Musselman, just how good he is as an X's and O's coach. It's very different than what we saw with Mike Anderson. That's what I think a lot of fans are super excited about, just because how good he is X's and O's style. Uh, and, you, you just know, never heard a lot of like scout scouting yeah. reports on the opponents or, or game planning or what they're even doing during the game. I don't know if he was just trying to keep it simple for the fans, but he would never really share stuff like that. No, he wouldn't. And and I just it, it's completely different. I think that it, that's how Nolan Richardson did it, and you know that was that was okay because Nolan Richardson had the best athletes on the floor. Mm-hmm. Mike didn't always have that. It's a completely different game now than it was during the '90s, uh, and now Arkansas is a guy like Musselman where. You know he he's going to do everything he can f- before leading up to the game to help his team put his team in a position to win. Very big with X's and O's. And honestly, uh, there was something he said after the game uh, that really kind of it, it didn't catch. I didn't catch it when he said it live. But going back and looking over the quotes, uh, I was like, wow, that, that's kind of interesting. Let, let's let's play it real quick. Yeah, they they've just done a great job of of adapting to a new style and a new system, really on both sides of the ball because. Uh, you know that it's we, we worked hard this summer on trying to implement stuff and uh, you know we didn't want to continue to to really try to evolve in December and January like we wanted out of the gates to try to have as many offensive sets in as possible to have defensive schemes in and then so we we're able to tweak some things which we were able to tweak tonight the way that we defended two different halves we defended the post play completely different you know that the thing that stands out with that is that he wanted to get his entire system in before the season. Does that sound like someone uh, the opposite of what someone we know didn't do? Yes, per- perhaps maybe one Chad Morris, maybe <laughs> maybe a little bit like that, but uh, or not like that. He, I mean, his staff works tirelessly with whether it's recruiting or game planning. They are just always working, and it it shows. It really does. It pays off on on game day and. You, you see it with the adjustments like we talk, talked about earlier with Trace Jackson Davis. We've seen it in other games where, you know, something's not working in the first half. You change it in the second half, change it in a timeout, and, and it really is has been phenomenal. I, the, I truly did not think that this team was uh, going to be more than an NIT team at best. And now, really, heading into SEC play, I, I'm thinking it's a legitimate NCAA tournament contender. I, I was hesitant all year. Uh, but I think after seeing what I saw at Indiana, I, I'm I'm a believer. I, I think they could be. I think they could be dancing in March. It's Thursday as we're recording this. I don't know if this will still be the case when the game starts on Saturday at 6 p.m. But Arkansas is ranked number 24 in the net rankings. They weren't. Uh, very close to the top 25 this week, which I was very surprised by. The uh, AP top 25. They were ranked like. 
37th with all their votes considered. I think they got 19 total votes. I was just surprised. I thought more people were going to be paying attention to that game to see if Arkansas is for real, and apparently they still haven't proved it yet. I think people were paying attention. You saw it on Twitter, people that are national college Oh, basketball. well, Air Bosman staff is very good at making sure that, those that's guys true. tune in. That's true. Uh, <laughs> and But they, they, they were given Arkansas respect, and yeah. you're, you're starting that's to see it in to some see. of the bracketology stuff. I wasn't as surprised as you that they weren't ranked, just because I figured they they haven't had a particularly challenging non-conference schedule. I think it's a lot better than – I think I saw some Indiana media member saying how Arkansas is not a good team. They're just bad. Look at their schedule. Well, that that's not exactly 100% that was a bad take. true. Yeah, bad, bad take because Arkansas has played literally three non-conference uh, road games. That That's tough. Arkansas hadn't played that many non-conference road games in like five years and much less – I think the last time they won two – uh, non-conference row games on the road was Nolan Richardson's last year back in 2001-2002 so it's been a while uh, and I think it was a, a, a decent schedule and that's, but it's not a particularly difficult schedule that's why they're not necessarily getting all the love in the AP poll if they had beaten Western Kentucky and they were undefeated right now I think they would definitely be ranked but when they lost that Western Kentucky game I said even if they beat Indiana they're probably going to need to start, I guess, 2-0 and in SEC play to get ranked maybe leading into that uh, Kentucky game in, uh, in a few weeks. Uh, so after the win on Saturday, uh, or was it Sunday? Sunday. I kept confusing that. I kept telling people the game was Saturday. I'm like, nope, got to wait <laughs> one more stupid day. Um, so they won the game, and then I was posting screenshots of what Indiana fans were saying after the game on Hogby. And it's, it was just such a change. You know, you don't normally get to go to another team's message board and see all their fans crying like – Sometimes, you know, we've seen this past season with football over here on, on Hogbeat, but it's just a very nice change for Arkansas fans, and I'm enjoying covering it as well. Um, that poor, salty Indiana reporter probably got crushed after the game in his comments. He got ratioed pretty hard. <laughs> um, when we come back, we're going to talk more about the Texas A&M matchup and, and where they kind of stand in the SEC right now. Welcome back, everybody, to the Hogbeat Hour. Just a reminder, if you ever want to sign up for Hogbeat, you can try us out for free with code HOGS30, H-A-W-G-S-30. You can do that really anytime. We keep that running just so that you can give us a shot because we know we will win you over. Um, So Arkansas opens SEC conference play uh, Saturday at home in Bud Walton Arena. They are ranked 24 in the net rankings. Um, and their defense, their three-point defense, is still number one in the nation after all these weeks. So defensively, they've been pretty spotless. Uh, Their turnover margin is amazing. Uh, Their blocks are still top 50 in the country, top 50 in the country in steals as well. Uh, All these factors are adding up to a bad game for A&M. Yeah, because Texas A&M is not good, to say the least. They're probably the worst team in the SEC uh, I guess that could probably make Arkansas fans a little nervous just because they've been uh, accustomed to seeing letdowns in these type of games. But as I said earlier, Arkansas is taking care of business in these type of games. Uh, just looking at, at what Texas A&M does, 
They've only got two guys averaging double figures in scoring. Uh, both those guys are averaging uh, 11.4 and 11.3. That's Josh Nebo and Savion Flag. Uh, those are a couple names Arkansas fans might recognize. They've been around a little bit. Uh, Nebo is a, a six foot nine uh, forward. He's also averaging 7.2 rebounds. He might be a, a challenge for Arkansas just because Arkansas does lack in size. However, at six foot nine, he's not exactly that big. He, yeah. He's not going to be as challenging, I don't think, as a Trace Jackson Davis for Indiana. Uh, they're averaging only 57.7 points a game and shooting just 23.5% from three point land. That is a matchup nightmare for the Aggies going up against Arkansas. It, 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 it could be ugly. I am hesitant to say that because every time I think that, it ends up being a close game. But it, it could be ugly, and it could be a wild game from start to finish in Bud Walton Arena with it being a sellout. Um, and Buzz Williams is also in his first year at Texas A&M. He's 6-5 and five to start, so uh, not great, but he is a, a pretty good coach. His overall record is, is pretty outstanding. It's uh, 359 to 160, so that's a pretty good record over his 14-year career. But A&M is a very, very familiar opponent to Arkansas. They have matched up 159 times, so it's it's their most common opponent over the last – Many, many years. Southwest um, Conference, baby. And Arkansas dominates the matchup 102 to 56, and they've only lost at home 15 times. So Arkansas has a huge advantage in this one. Um, they are 7 and 5 against the Aggies since, since uh, A&M joined the SEC. So they've gotten a little bit more competitive lately, but. Overall, like like you mentioned, it just doesn't look like it's going to be a good game for Texas A&M just based on the matchups. Um, and Arkansas's players have been scoring regularly. I mean, Isaiah Joe just got another um, SEC Player of the Week award for the team. Mason Jones has two now, I believe. I'm not sure. Has, has Jimmy Witt won one yet? I don't yet? think so. He's just been kind of steady. He's, for yes, them. he has been so consistent um, for them. And then Desi still, Desi still still managed to score 10 the other night. So even though he hasn't been shooting it lights out or anything, he's still getting buckets for the team. And he has been shooting it much better of late. I think his overall three-point percentage is not very good. I think it's still sitting around uh, yeah. tw- tw- 21%. Well, that- yeah, something. Yeah, not not good. However, yeah. if you look at just the last second half of non-conference play, it's been a lot better. He started out like two of thirty-two or something. So since that point, he's shooting about thirty-four, thirty-five percent. Still not quite as good as he shot last year as a freshman, uh, but still much better than his overall percentage indicates. And something Eric Musselman talked about. He was talking about Jalen. Jalen Harris when he said this but like you just have to do enough to keep the other team honest like you have to make them guard you out on the perimeter so Desi still still is continuing to throw shots up has you know ended up helping them out enormously um Reggie Chaney what what have you thought of him this season He's been he's been okay. I think he's been a little bit overshadowed by how well Adriel Bailey has played mm-hmm. which has been a huge surprise. I mean, we, we've seen A.J.O. for the last three years, and he's looked nothing like 
uh, what he has so far this year. So I think Reggie has been okay. You know, he, he didn't get to play the first few games because he was suspended. But ever since he's come back, he's been a, a solid player. I don't think he's necessarily been as good as I thought he was going to be. But I think that's just simply because he hasn't needed to be because of how well AGO has played. I think that that's a pretty solid uh, group right there. You wish one of those guys or both of those guys were a few inches taller. Uh, but, but they've been effective for Arkansas so far. Adrio Bailey is just like so many times last year if you're talking about him it'd be in a negative way like oh that play that he just made now it's like he has all these big momentum plays and he just seems like he's really gotten it together under Eric Musselman Um, and then Mason Jones he's just been phenomenal this season I mean I thought he was great last year and he's just completely surprised me this year and how much better he has gotten he just seems to be having a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, he does. He, he just, he never was one that you were like, oh man, he needs to really come out of a shell because he was still pretty, you know, exciting yeah. and just kind of fun to watch last year, but even more so this year under Musselman. And you can just tell he's he's enjoying it. He's, he can shoot freely whenever he wants, you know, three-pointer. He also is, is really effective at driving to the basket. He's shooting like something crazy like 94 95 percent from the free throw line uh, one of the best in like f- four decades or something at Arkansas so uh, just a, a complete player it seems like uh, just doing everything uh, to help Arkansas win and, and Arkansas needs him to be a scorer. Arkansas will have one future hog maybe maybe two uh, at the game on Saturday uh, KK Robinson who is already committed and plans to sign in the spring with Arkansas and then Jackson Robinson who is an Oklahoma native who is also in the rivals 150 in the 2021 class this is going to be his third time in Fayetteville for a visit so he clearly really likes the program and he's had a long relationship with Chris Crutchfield who is recruiting him hard so potential uh, future hogs on campus um, if we're looking back at Eric Musselman's acquisitions from when he first got here Jimmy Witt getting him back here was obviously huge um, but John Talasilla not a guy we have seen a lot from and although he was at UNC Wilmington which one? Wilmington. Wilmington. Even though he was over there, I still thought that he could provide more than 1.5 points per game. Yeah, not only just the lack of scoring, just every time he's been in there, it seems like something bad has happened. I remember, uh, I guess it was at the end of the first half, I think it was against Valpo, he was in the game, Arksla had the ball with a chance to score, uh, right, like right before the buzzer, and he proceeded to throw the ball right to the other team, and they went down and scored, and it was just it was a, it was a horrible, horrible play. I've been really, really disappointed in how he's played this year, uh, just overall, not just the not just the scoring, because I thought I thought he was going to be a a solid player. I don't I think he was going to be a starter or a star by any means, but I thought he would at least give Arkansas some quality minutes. On the bright side. All the players seemed to love him. When they were talking about him in the preseason, we don't hear from him much these days, but when people were talking about him before, he seemed like a really great leader and a guy that they really look up to, so that's nice. Um, Waiting in the wings, we've got J.D. Note and um, Connor Vanover, two guys who I know the staff is really, really excited about. So the future is very bright for Arkansas basketball, and as we head into SEC play, which is inevitably, inevitably going to be a lot harder I guess even as things get hard, you got to remember that this team is just starting out with Eric Musselman. His tenure could could be quite long here. 
Yeah, you you would like to think it could have that potential as long as, you know, the, the thing you got to start worrying about now is is he going to stick around whenever he starts winning big? It does does he get the itch to get back into the pro level, you know, the NBA? Does he try to – I mean, I don't know how many programs there would be that he would leave Arkansas for because I feel like Arkansas basketball is one of those destination jobs. I yeah. mean, it, it may not be quite Kansas, Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky. Selling Arkansas basketball is much easier yes. than Arkansas football. Exactly. I feel like it's a much more of a destination job than Arkansas football. So, you know, you can only hope, I guess, if he does leave like that, then that's good because that means he's had a lot of success and probably has ended the Sweet 16 drought and things are going well for Arkansas and you think they'd be able to replace him with a, another really good coach. Coming up, I'm going to catch you up on the latest with the Arkansas position coaching search. We've got an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator, but we're still missing a defensive line coach, maybe another. Um, we need – what else we need? We need a running backs coach. Running backs coach for sure. Tight ends coach. Tight ends coach, it's, almost official. Yeah. It looks very official from our standpoint. Um, and then got to get that – all-important strength and conditioning coach. I know that everybody is asking about that on the daily. They want to know who's going to turn these boys into men. Um, When we come back, we'll be talking about all of that. Stay tuned. Hey, everybody. I'm back. It's Nikki Chavanel from hogbeat.com. I just let Hutch loose and we are going to kind of quickly recap where Arkansas's football coaching staff is right now. There hasn't been a new hire since Kendall Bryles was brought on. Uh, I think it was Christmas Eve. Um, So right now there are um, just six official hires and then we have John Cooper, the UCF tight ends coach who is supposed to be coming over here to Arkansas. He has already changed his Twitter profile so you can go check that out. He's already changed it to the official graphic of him being the Arkansas tight ends coach. That's a very interesting hire. Um, He has experience with um, Kendall Bryles' offense. He was a three-year starter at center for uh, the Oklahoma Sooners, and he was a Big 12 Offensive Lineman of the Year before moving up to the NFL where he played for uh, the Vikings. Um, So... John Cooper, uh, he has experience with the offensive line and obviously tight ends. Sounds like a great hire. Um, They're not paying him too much, I imagine, um, but we don't have the numbers yet on that hire because it's not yet official. Um, Brad Davis, he's getting 550K. He's the offensive line coach, and he followed Barry Odom. Well, technically, he was the first hire on the staff. Um, he was with Sam Pittman at Oklahoma as a player, um, worked his way up, went to Portland State, went to James Madison, North Texas, East Carolina, finally landed at Missouri where the offensive line did pretty good in pass protection at least. Um, so we have the offensive line coach. So far, people are loving him. He's brought in one offensive line commit in Ray Curry who was committed to Missouri. Um, Next, we've got Barry Odom, obviously a fantastic defensive coordinator who was the head coach at Missouri. They're paying him 1.2 for his expertise um, and um, 
offensive coordinator. We got Kendall Browse from FSU who had two top 10 offenses both at Houston and at Florida Atlantic um, before went, going to FSU. Things that w weren't so great at FSU, but he's getting $1 million here at Arkansas. Um, it was a great hire. Uh, the national media went crazy for it. So great job by Sam Pittman on that hire. And then they're retaining Justin Stepp at the salary that he had before under Chad Morris at $400,000. Um, Ryan Rhodes, the former Hutchinson um, com Community College head coach, he's making two, um, $225,000. And then Sam Carter, who is coming over from Missouri where he was an analyst, he is the new corners coach, and he's making 225k as well. So there's still quite a bit of money in the budget for a defensive line coach, um, your running backs coach, and one other probably defensive assistant or a special teams coordinator. Uh, this staff could probably get worked out, finalized in the next week or week and a half on the coaching convention where a lot of hiring gets done. Uh, that is in, um, not this weekend, but the following weekend. So if stuff isn't finalized after that, then you might start to worry because the official open recruiting period begins on um, the 17th and they'll have a bunch of prospects coming in and they need to know who their position coach is gonna be probably if they're gonna end up committing. To Arkansas. A couple people have been paying attention to who the Arkansas coaches have been fo um, following on Twitter and one interesting follow was um, Derek LeBlanc from um, Kentucky. He is the defensive line coach over there and I've heard good things about him as a developer uh, and as a coach. Um, not so much as a recruiter but that is one guy. I think it was Justin Stepp that follows him. Uh, the coaches aren't giving too much away with their follows right now, uh, so we're just kind of waiting and hearing. There's a lot of talk about Trey Scott from Georgia because he's very close with Sam Pittman, maybe coming over here. That that move would take, you know, a lot of cojones because Georgia is obviously a very good program and Arkansas is on the way up, but maybe he wants to come back home and come coach over here. Uh, a lot of people were asking me on Twitter because Drew Morgan has been posting that he's looking for a graduate assistant position to kind of get his foot in the door uh, in the college coaching world. He's been uh, wanting to do that for over a year. So far, I don't think he's had any luck with Arkansas just because Arkansas actually already has a wide receiver uh, assistant. Um, that's DJ Gillins, and he was with the program last year. And since Justin Stepp stayed, it would make a lot of sense if DJ Gillens also stayed in that role, which is usually, you know, a one to two year position, given that sometimes it takes two years to get your graduate degree. Um, but Drew should be able to find a spot. He's got a lot of connections across the league. Um, it would be great if he could end up back here one day. I know that's his big passion. He wants to coach for the Hogs. A lot of people want to know who the strength and conditioning coach may be. All these coaches, you know, Barry Odom, Sam Pittman, Brad Davis, um, Kendall Bryles, they've all worked with a lot of different guys in strength and conditioning departments. So one of them's got to know someone that wants to come to Arkansas. So I'm sure they're just working through candidates. Um, 
as far as the coaching staff goes. I mean, the strength coach, he, he's got to be here in the next few days because the recruits or the early enrollees, they'll check in on the 9th and classes get started right after that. So he's got to be here to train these guys uh, ahead of spring football. So the sooner that gets done, it, it should get done within the next week at the latest. As far as team-related news goes, the coaching staff has been the hottest topic. And then, obviously, the transfer portal. Arkansas had another addition in the transfer portal the other day, which is Colin Clay uh, from the 2019 class defensive end. Very surprising because he was the best recruiter of his own uh, classmates in the 2019 class. And then he got some playing time but uh, ended up transferring and deciding to go to Oklahoma State. He'll have to sit one before he plays, but he's from Oklahoma, so perhaps he wanted to be closer to home. You know, we still don't have the defensive line coach yet, so who knows what all played into that. But so far, heading into this next semester, there haven't been too many uh, transfer announcements yet, so... Um, Grayson Gunner was one that was surprising to me as well because with Arkansas's depth at tight end, uh, he was probably going to see an increase in usage, um, but maybe still not as much as he would like. So it'll be very interesting to see where that Mississippi native comes up. It's going to be weird because every time Arkansas plays Ole Miss, Grayson Gunner is in the headlines. So I guess not anymore. Um, other than that... Uh, we'll, we'll see because once spring practice gets going and guys start to see how much they're playing, they will uh, typically, you know, start moving towards the portal or decide to stick it out. Um, the Hogs are welcoming in four new Razorbacks um, on the 9th. They check in um, right before class starts, and they'll still have time um, to get guys in like transfers before January 17th. That's the last day that students can enroll in classes. Um, Devin Bush last year enrolled right in time to enroll early uh, because he wasn't sure whether he wanted to yet, but he ended up doing that, so something similar could happen. Um, but unclear yet we haven't heard of any very specific transfer targets just yet I mean I keep my eyes peeled on the portal and so far you know not a lot of guys trying to move up it's more guys trying to look for places where they can get more playing time um, and just not a lot of great SEC options at the moment um, last year Arkansas had five um, immediate contributors out of their 10 early enrollees this year they've got four early enrollees so probably Two of those guys will be guys that end up contributing immediately. Um, one of those might be Keelan Burrell, the six foot, two hundred and five pound offensive line or outside linebacker from Louisiana. He uh, signed on early signing day, picking Arkansas over a bunch of other offers like LSU and Tennessee and Kentucky. Um, but his recruitment really slowed down because he decided to commit to UTSA with his teammate very early on ahead of his junior season. So he didn't open his recruitment back up until Frank Wilson was fired at UTSA. He's not very big, obviously, at 205 pounds, but he's very instinctive and he's got a lot of on-field athleticism and he hits hard. Uh, so if Arkansas needs him, I, I would think that he's one of the guys that could play 
right away, kind of like Jashad Stewart as well, but he won't be in early. So Burl has the advantage of getting some snaps under his belt this spring. Um, another guy that I think will play early, Julius Coates. Uh, he's technically already coming in as a junior, so he'll have two years to play too, uh, coming in from East Mississippi CC you know, the original uh, Last Chance U. He's 6'7", he, he's 270 pounds, and he moved from Ellsworth Community College in 2017 um, to Scuda, Mississippi, to play at EMCC, and he switched to defensive end, and that's when he started get, getting a lot of attention uh, this past season. He had two scooping scores in back-to-back -back games, and he had 30 tackles and six sacks, so... At 6'7 and 270 pounds, he provides a really unique um, size and, and frame that Arkansas doesn't have on this roster. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him. But when you pull a guy that's already got two years to play too, you hope that he will at least be able to contribute early. Um, and if you look at the defensive tackles room, I think you could really maybe try to move him inside even though he's only 270 um, He'd be interesting on the edge as well. Arkansas has issues containing the edge. Um, Blaine Toll is coming in. The Hazen Hulk, he's the only in-state guy enrolling early. Um, he is 6'5", 242, 244-ish, um, but he's only 17 years old, so he's got a long way to go. Um, I think it's going to take him a while to adjust to the speed of the, of the SEC compared to the two-way football that he was playing, but he's versatile. Um, and at 6'5", 244, um, given that he's played defensive end and tight end, Arkansas could very well use him in the tight ends room, given that they just have Blake Kern and Hudson Henry right now. I do fully expect them to try to find a, a more veteran player that they could bring in to help those guys in the tight ends room. Otherwise, he would just need some more time to develop technique as a defensive end. And then finally, the, uh, the gem of signing day, Miles Slusher. He's enrolling early, of course. He is the four-star safety from Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, six foot, 181 pounds. Um, he comes into a safeties room that doesn't have a whole lot of experience, especially with Cam Curl leaving. Um, Curl leaving was a big selling point to him. So he'll be with Joe Fouché, Miles Mason, Jalen Catalan, Devin Bush. Uh, Mike Harris is still committed in the 2020 class. Don't know if that's going to stay. So Miles Slusher is a really big part of this class, and they'll need to find another safety at least for this class. Um, that's all for the early enrollees. When we come back, I'm going to hit you guys with a bunch of mailbag question answers. Uh, so stay tuned. All right, everybody, final segment of tonight's Hogbeat Hour. I'm going to try to get to all of your mailbag questions in the next five minutes and 30 seconds, so let's go. First of all, i got to start with my buddy Turbo Buffalo. His question, what's your favorite tongue twister? I'm going to give you Peter, Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. That's the one. That is your one question. You're done for the next three weeks, Turbo. Anyways, um... Someone asked me, with, with an outsider's view, what is Arkansas's unique tradition? Um, you already mentioned the, um, the hog call, and it, that's got to be it. I mean, I've been here for two years. That's the thing that sticks out to me the most. 
um, about Arkansas and what they do every single game. And then, of course, there's Tusk, and he's unique, and there's no other school in the nation with a unique mascot like him. So those two things stick out to me the most. Um, Some people have asked me about quarterback possibilities in this 2020 class. And a really huge piece of news from this past week is that four-star Texas um, dual-threat quarterback Malik Hornsby is going to be visiting Arkansas uh, for an official visit uh, the 17th of January, so right when the open period um, gets open. And if you look at his rival's profile, we have future casts, which will show you where kids are leaning. I've never seen a future cast quite like his. He was an A&M lean for a very long time. Then in, then a North Carolina lean, he committed there, and then he opened his process back up after Jacoby Criswell, as you may know, uh, committed to North Carolina. So then he was a Florida State lean, then a Purdue lean, and then he was due to commit to Baylor Uh, this past weekend, and he ended up not doing that because it looks like Matt Rule might not be at Baylor next season, and um, Arkansas is looking a whole lot more attractive now. And as a four-star guy, I mean, he's got very impressive offers. Alabama offered, Auburn offered, Georgia offered. So this is one of the top unside cornerbacks out there, and initially it didn't look like Arkansas was going to have any chance, but with Matt Rule looking questionable at Baylor, This gives Arkansas a really big boost, plus the hiring of Kendall Bryles as well. That took um, way too long, so now i got to keep moving. Dwight McGlother, no, don't see that happening. He's probably heading to um, Southern California. Um, Marcus Henderson, he already took his official visit here. He'll visit Alabama, and then he'll go from there and sign on the late signing period. Um, A lot of people asking about the staff, which I already got to. Um, (laughs) Was that one time at Club Dub Lit or what? Um, I wasn't there, so I can't tell you. But I really like uh, the uh, the Hoop Guys Club Dub, which is probably just like three minutes of yelling, and then they immediately go on to their next scouting report. Um, People are still asking me about Kyrie Walker, who at this point is rated a... He is a four-star prospect um, out of Arizona, and he still is looking to possibly enroll at the midterm, but I just don't see it happening. Anything that we've heard is that he doesn't look likely to be um, qualified for the NCAA given his credit, even though his coach, his former high school coach did tweet out that he had done everything he needed to do to get eligible. If that was the case, I feel like we would see a lot of activity around him right now, and we don't see that. So besides that, um, not a lot going on with Kyrie Walker. I know you guys are excited to get maybe another guy in here, but honestly, doesn't even look like it's very necessary. It's not like he is a... uh, a big man, right? He's 6'5", so wouldn't be too important to this class right now. Um, so I talked about Malik Hornsby, the quarterback. Arkansas has also scheduled an official visit two weeks after Hornsby visits with um, Travis Marsh, who is a three-star pro-style quarterback from Florida. So if they don't get Hornsby to kind of give them a commitment or even an indication of a commitment heading into the late signing period. 
Marsh might get that opportunity later in January, and he's got offers from Florida Atlantic, South Florida, Southern Miss, Tulane, UCF, all, all those schools down in that area, and even Tennessee. So um, under the radar guy kind of, but it's got some nice offers. All right, guys, that's all the time I have. Um, go to Hogbeat, get 30 days free with code HOGS30. And if you missed any of this episode, you can follow us on Spotify and iTunes and listen there. Thanks, everyone. Have a good one. Yeah.